If you've been with us for the last couple of weeks, several weeks in fact, you would know that we are in our series, Being Church. And in fact, we are wrapping up that series today about what it means to be the church, both the body of Christ and to come into the fullness of our church membership. And so I'm, uh, we've been, we started by talking about exactly what is the body, that we've all been given these spiritual gifts by God by looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and how as the body, as individual members of the body, God has blessed each and every one of us with a gift to give to the church and how we can use that gift for this body together. But then we talked about the unity of the church, how important it is that even in the diversity of our gifts, the diversity of our thought, the diversity of who we are as people, God has called us into unity with one another, that he's put all of this in this church for a reason and for a purpose. And that even when we have disagreements, we're called to work through them for the sake of unity in Christ's body. And one of the ways that we saw that was that we are to be a servant first, that God called us to serve first, that to be a leader meant to be one that put himself below all the others and to serve one another in humility, not as the Gentiles who lorded it over one another, but as Christ, who was God himself put on flesh but he did not come to be served, but to serve. And then we talked about the importance of being a praying people. A, a church that made prayer a main function of who we are. That in everything we do, in all decisions that we make, that we would be a church of prayer. As God has called his house a house of prayer. And then last week, we talked about being family-focused. The importance of putting family as a focus of our church. Being able to come around and surround all of our families. Being able to support them and help them in the instruction and teaching of the Lord. What it looked like in the context of family and individual families, but also as the church family. Being able to see one another as family and the importance of supporting one another as such. And so today we are shifting our focus and bringing it all together. How do all of these things play out into one singular focus of the church? What is the church? What does it mean to be church? How do we see church and our scripture reading today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27 and 28. And so we started in 1 Corinthians 12, and now we're going to end also in 1 Corinthians 12. And so here is our reading this morning. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. 
Lord Jesus, as we, as we come in this place today, Lord, as we wrap up what it means to be church, God, I pray that, that this would be a part of our hearts. God, that, that, that church would become a part of not just what we are and where we go, but who we are. And that we would see the fullness of it in Your message to us this morning. And so, Lord, I pray that You would make very little of me to make very much of Yourself. And that today, in this place, Jesus, You would be glorified. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So, one of my favorite, favorite things, and, I, and probably, you know, one of my top love language is, is to receive gifts. I love getting gifts. I can remember the most memorable gift that I have ever received was a Christmas when I was 15 years old. I had asked for a Mac Mini. And so Mac Minis, which is like this small form factor computer, was the very first time that they had released this kind of computer. And I was so excited and it was really expensive and I did not expect to get it for Christmas. But I was hopeful. I was like, you know, I'm just going to put it on, on, on my list of things that I would want and we'll see if it happens. But, but I'm, not, I'm not super hopeful. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean into it and we'll see what happens. Well, Christmas morning, you know, we've gone through everything and there's just one last gift. Just one more. And it's small, and I don't have much hope for it, but I open it. And I just start weeping. I am just, oh, you couldn't believe the tears that were just coming down my face. Just these big crocodile tears. But they were of joy. They were of so much joy to, to open the one gift that I wanted the most. And look, here's the thing. As a kid, as a 15-year-old, I didn't need a Mac. I didn't need one. But I got one. And I was ecstatic. And from then on, I was a Mac user. I haven't had a Windows computer since. And it's just been the thing that I've just, it's become a part of who I am and what I use is a, is a Mac. But you know, what's also interesting is sometimes we get the gifts we want, and then sometimes we get the gifts that we never expected and never asked for. And maybe when we first get them, we might think, oh my goodness, what in the world have I been given? This is a terrible gift. One of those gifts actually came a couple of years ago, uh, also at Christmas time, in the form of something called a comfy. And... <laughs> I don't know how to describe this to you other than it being an oversized hoodie sweatshirt that's like this big, comes down to your knees, and is lined with Sherpa. When I opened this gift, I was like, this is awful. This is going to be terrible. I am never going to wear this. But I accepted it graciously, and I was like, oh, thank you so much, Mom. I love it. I'm sure you're watching. Um, <laughs> thank you. But then came the first cold snap, and it was freezing. But I remembered that I had a big comfy 
in my closet. And I am telling you what, I put that thing on and I looked ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Oh, but was I warm? Was I so warm? And was I so comfortable and I was just able to curl up on my couch and put on a movie and it was perfect. That was an unexpected gift that when I opened it, I was like, this, this is not a good gift. But it was a good gift. Even if I couldn't fully understand it, fully comprehend how good it was, it was a good gift. And I am thankful for that comfy that I was given several years ago. I really am. But also, in addition to receiving gifts, I also really love to give gifts. I'm a gift giver. I think that it's definitely one of the many things that God graciously put upon me was to give good gifts. And I'm always trying to come up with the most unique, most personal gift for somebody. I want to be the person that when they get a gift, they know it was from me. And then they continue to use it. And every time they use it, they know it was from me. I like to be a really good gift giver. And I have given some fantastic gifts over the years. But I've also given some really bad ones. I've given duds. I've given the gift that I thought would keep giving and it didn't. <laughs> it happens. It does. But I wanted to be the one that gave a good gift. And everything in my gift giving had so much intentionality. And so even if it wasn't the gift that kept giving, it still meant someone or meant something to the someone that I gave it to. And now I'm wondering about you and, and your life with gifts. Do you like receiving gifts? Let's be honest. We all like to receive a good gift. We all like to receive an unexpected gift too. The ones that aren't on holidays or birthdays. But somebody just brought you something and it just brought so much joy to your heart. That's actually something that I've experienced a lot here since I've been at FPC is I've just found so many gifts that just end up on my desk and it's always exciting or as I'm walking out the door or even in the door, even this morning, I got a book. I love books. I have more books than I can probably ever read through, but I love them and I love to get them and they excite me so much. And so I know that you too like those unexpected gifts. You've got to. They're, they're such a good and gracious thing. It's something that we don't expect and yet here it is. We have to be thankful. We have to have an attitude of thankfulness for those gifts. God gives us good gifts too. And so when we're thinking about gifts, how we receive them and how we give them, we also have to think about the gifts that God has given. <clears throat> about the good gift that is the body of Christ. You see, 
We started our series by talking about what it means to be the body. And how God works in us and through us, through his Holy Spirit, to give us spiritual giftings. That we then are used for the church that are uniquely gifted for the leverage of the church and the body of Christ. And we learned how none of us is more or less significant than any other. The importance of understanding that every single one of us has been given a perfect gift by God. And it was uniquely given by God. So each of us could fulfill the use of that gift in his body. And so today I want us to see how church, how this body is actually one of those gifts. And then what we can do when we realize that the church itself is a gift. It is God's gift to us. And so this morning, we read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27 and 28. And so the context, as we were just talking about, takes place in this wider array of Scripture in this passage where Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church about the spiritual gifts that God gives them and how he has given everybody a gift and how everybody in that church has uniquely been given a gift to use in that church in Corinth. And the problem in Corinth is that there were those that thought that their gift was better than somebody else's. But the reality was, Paul is saying that no, none of these gifts are more important than any other. They are all equally important to the church. Every single expression of gift is important to the church working as God has set the church to work. He was pointing out that none is greater, but all are equal. And that as the Spirit revealed to each person their gift, then they were to use that gift for Christ's body. And so then we come into today's verse and it says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. There's two emphases in this passage. The first is now. You know, I think oftentimes when I read Scripture and when I think about the church, I don't think or remember the now part. That is that right now, in this moment, in every moment, I am a part of the body of Christ. There is never a moment that I'm not a part of the body, whether we are gathered here or we are out there. I am still a part of the body. So right now, in this moment, you are a part of it. You cannot think that you are not a part of it. You cannot reason that you are not a part of it. You can't think of yourself as less significant or incapable being a part of it. Because just because you think these things don't make them true. Paul is saying that right now, you are a part of the body. You're a part of his church. And the second emphasis is you. Now you. The fact is that you are a part of this body. He's not talking about anyone else in the passage. When he says you, he means you. He's saying that Not the person sitting next to you, not the person in front of you, not the person behind you, 
but you are a part of this body. The emphasis is to acknowledge that you personally, that Jesus, when he died on the cross for you and invited you into his salvation, he was saying, I did this for you. And now I want you to know that you are part of my body. And what I think is important here is it shows you that you are wanted. You are desired. And dare I even say, needed in the body of Christ. Not that you're needed by God, because God doesn't need us. He wants us. But the gift of church says that we are needed. By very reason that you are here today, there is a purpose that you are serving for God's church. And so now you are a part of this body of Christ. And then he continues that you are individual members of it. It is made up of each one of you. Every single one of you are a part of this body. And it requires all of you to make up this body. Every single one of you. And so if one of you go missing then one is missing from the body. I don't know if you can see where we're going yet with that. Maybe it's not entirely clear, but then Paul continues and he says, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing and helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. You see, the church requires a multitude of gifts that are given by the Spirit of God. So when these gifts come together, so when you as an individual member right now are a part of this body who have been gifted an individual gift by the Spirit of God, when you come together all these individual gifts, then the body can function as a whole. Then the body actually starts to work. Then the body is complete. Then the body is what it is. Therefore, this body is expressed through each and every spiritual gift. And therefore, that body itself becomes a gift. It is a gift given by God through individual gifts in you. And when they work together, the church itself actually is a gift. The church can't be a spiritual gift. Why? Because the, spirit, because the church is a spiritual body made up of many bodies. But when all those spiritual bodies who have gifts come together, then the church in itself is the gift. It is a gift of us together where all our gifts are working in tandem to fulfill the mission of God in us and around us. And so Paul wants the Corinthians to understand the importance of the church, this gift that God has given each and every one of us. Just think of it this way. Today we're all sitting here in this place Worshiping God through the singing of songs and hymns. 
We get to hear the, the preaching of the word. We get to pray with each other and one another. But this all happens in just one hour on a Sunday morning. But what we don't see is the dozens of hours that go into creating this one hour moment through the many gifts of people that have poured in their time and their talent to make this one hour happen. What we see is one hour on a Sunday. What we don't see is the countless hours put in by the people that have individual gifts to make it all come together and be a one gift for all of us. That is the church as a gift, is to see how individual talents working together, how individual gifts working together become this Sunday morning experience for us. And we get to embrace this gift, even in its imperfection. We even know a couple weeks ago when we were serving communion, and I just got off of script, and I got off of the order of worship and totally forgot that we sing a hymn after we serve communion. I just went right into the next thing. And then so he's like, Austin. I'm like, oh yeah, we're supposed to sing. And so we had to go with it. There's a lot of imperfect moments in the church because it's made up of a whole bunch of imperfect people. But even in that imperfection, God is still working in us and through us to give us the gift of his church. And that's a good thing. And so I really think that this idea of church as gift plays out in two very important ways. And the reality is that the latter way flows out of the former. What I mean by that is that the first expression that I'm going to talk about has to come first in order for the second expression to be a reality for us. And so the reality is that what it means to know church as gift means that we know church both internally and externally. That we know church both corporately and individually. That we know it in the organized gatherings and in the everyday expressions. And so first, I want to talk about the corporate manifestation of church, this gift that we have been given. You see, the corporate gathering is the expression of the entire body, of this body, coming together to worship and praise and glorify the one whom we have been made for. And I know that I've used this passage many times throughout the series, but it is so good that I have to keep coming back to it. Hebrews 10, verses 24 through 25 says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You see, that is the beauty of a corporate expression of worship. That we wouldn't be ones that neglect to come together, to gather together, to be meeting one another in this place. I actually know that it was so easy during the pandemic to, 
to neglect, to not meet, to not gather. In fact, we, we had to, out of wisdom, for a time to make sure that in the care of the body, that we didn't meet together in a corporate space. And so we tried to create new avenues through online worship and different expressions of the church gathering. But the reality is, it wasn't the same, was it? I remember about three months in, I just didn't feel the same. It wasn't the same to not come together in corporate worship as the church body worshiping God with one another. I felt sad about the fact that we couldn't meet face to face. And maybe you felt that same way too. And as soon as the church doors opened, you were back. You had to be back. But for some, it was harder. And I resonate with the difficulty of, of wanting to go back, even though I felt the sadness of not being present. I had to because it was my job, but part of me didn't want to. I heard so many times throughout this time period, it says, we didn't mean to stop coming. It just kind of happened. We formed a habit of not going to church. And it was hard on our souls, and yet the habit stood. But the reality is that intentionality the intentionality to reestablish the habit of being present with the corporate body is important because this body is a gift to each and every one of us. The ability to come together. Why? Because again, that verse says, so that we can stir one another up to love and good works and to encourage one another. That's the purpose of, of this gift of being together as the corporate body. And so it does matter that we meet together. It matters that we have Sunday worship. It matters that we get to come together and experience the gift of church with each other. Because it's also how we see the glory of God revealed as we grow closer to Jesus together. I actually love how Tim McConnell in his book, Happy Church, sounds like a happy book, writes about this phenomenon. He says, At its core, Christian fellowship is joy and communion with Christ. That means the closer we get to the core of the church, the more powerfully we should feel joy. Jesus has brought us into a relationship with him. He has created communion, knitting us together with him at the very core. That makes us happy. It's like a tuning fork whose sound waves, once touched off, resonate through our community, setting the tone and drawing us toward itself. But we have to be there to feel that. Sure, there are disagreements in a period in the life of the church marked with sadness. The life of the church is like any other, filled with highs and lows. But whether up or down, we are warmed by the light of Christ and we cultivate and defend a culture of happiness and joy. You see, when we gather together as the church, God can have his way in us and through us in a way that he simply cannot on our own. We have to gather together in order to actually come to that place where we can continually experience the joy 
of Jesus Christ that he's been cultivating in us since his resurrection and at the moment of our salvation in him. And so we have the opportunity in the corporate body to experience the fullness of this expression of faith in this gift of the body and church. And so being a part of this community of believers is to be a part of his body. And so the cry of my heart for each and every one of us is meet with us. Join us. Even when there are hard things that maybe you disagree with, push through and believe that Jesus is going to use you now here in this body. Because you're here for a reason. And your gift matters. Because everyone else here needs to see it. To see how God is working in you, in each other, all together for his glory. And the second thing that flows out of this, and it has to flow out of corporate worship, because if you're not meeting in corporate worship and in community with one another, then this second expression can't have its fullness, because then you're just doing it on your own. And that's the individual manifestation of the church, the external outward revelation of the church in our individual and everyday lives. I actually love how Jeff Vanderstelt puts it in his book called Saturate. He actually opens the book by telling a story of how he's fishing with his dad. And his dad starts telling this story about how in his church, in his dad's church, they've hired a new discipleship pastor who's teaching them all these fantastic ways to do discipleship and how they can do it in their own homes and, and do it with their neighbors and invite people that have never heard the name of Jesus before and, and that they can be disciples making disciples making disciples. But he opens this book by telling the story not because it's a good example, but because he saddened in his heart. Because what Jeff remembers as a kid growing up is that his parents opened their home to everybody. They were the family that threw all the dinner parties who had their door constantly open, that there was never a closed door for anyone that ever wanted to enter. They were the home that when Jeff got home from school, all his friends came over to hang out with his parents. It was the kind of family that they had deep conversations about everything and somehow it always led back to Jesus because his parents loved Jesus so much. It's the same parents that started fostering and bringing foster kids into their home, bringing in kids that, that were kicked out of their houses by their families, and so they opened rooms for them. And so Jeff's sadness in hearing his dad say that they're finally doing this for the first time was that, no, dad, you've been doing it all along. You see, here's what he says. As I stared at the water, it dawned on me that no one had ever validated what my mom and dad did. It didn't fit into the mold of church programs. The leadership of the church never told them that they were doing the work of the church in their home. Church had been wrongly defined only as an event. A Bible study on Wednesday and the worship service on Sunday. People went to church it was an event or a program. Church wasn't seen as the people of God doing the work of God in everyday life. What my parents did didn't count. 
Or at least, that's what they believed. What a heartbreaking story. You see, the reality is that what his parents were doing over the years was exactly church. It wasn't just in the corporate body. It wasn't happening as an organized event, but it was happening out of the overflow of their experience with the corporate body. It's what they were able to do in their external everyday lives. And so when we talk about church as an individual expression, what we're talking about is how church plays out in your life when you leave these doors. Therefore, what the church corporate has gifted you you can then turn around and make it a gift to the world. Church as gift is internally for you. But when you're out there, it's externally for everybody else. To see it put this way, Jesus says in his gospel in Matthew, says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Your good works could also be read as to see the spiritual gift of church manifesting in your life every day. The manifestation of the church within you is the gift that should not be hidden from the world. Talk about your faith at dinner parties. Invite your neighbors. Host them all. See what happens. Talk about faith in the forms of business decisions with your employees and with your clients. Let them know how that's informing the way that you're making decisions. Let everyone see how your life is a reflection of the church daily and what you have received here corporately then give away in private because it's not just fun to receive gifts it's also fun to give them away and there's no greater gift that we can give than our faith in Christ Jesus and his church can you just imagine what would happen if we were a church that just enjoyed each other, that just loved one another, that regardless of, oh, well, so-and-so did this, and so-and-so did that, and this never got done, and that never got done, and everything, 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 and all that. What if we just enjoyed coming in this place joyfully and lovingly experiencing church, this gift of God with one another, and allowing God to be glorified when we come together in this space? What a moment that would be. And then out of our corporate gathering of worship together, we then left these doors and expressed the church to our neighbors by inviting them to dinner and just getting to know them for who they are and what Jesus sees within them. I think we would bestow to this community something that they've been searching for but in all the wrong places. Because I really believe that it's in our individual expressions of church that we can make more impact in the life of an unbeliever than we can by simply saying, hey, come to church with me on Sunday. Because you're not going to get them to come with you on Sunday. But they might come share a meal in your home. And so be the church for them there. And then when they're ready, 
Let them experience the gift that is corporate worship. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this church and for this body. God, this is a gift. It's a gift from you that as we come together and share our gifts with one another, we get to see the fullness of who you are on display. And you get to be glorified in your son, Jesus Christ. For that, we are ever thankful. And then in turn, we get to go out into the world and share that same expression of church with people that have never graced our doors. And so, Lord, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.